Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy. And joining me now is Top 15 UFC featherweight contender, Super Sodiq Yusuf. Sodiq, welcome back to Half the Battle. Man, it's a, it's a pleasure to be back, man. Thank you for having me. Dude, you know, the last time we spoke on the show was, you know, you were an undefeated, young, cocky, rising prospect. And fast forward, now you're on the top 15 of the featherweight division. I mean, what have these last few years been like for you? Man, it's, 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 been, it's kind of been the journey that I imagined, to be honest, you know. Um, it, I haven't been as busy as I wanted to be, but the progression is kind of exactly what I imagined it would be, you know. They brought me in um, – contender guy. I was able to face another person off the ultimate fighter, and then slowly each opponent got better. And, you know, it's funny because usually with people with your athletic gifts, there's a trade-off. And what I mean by that is this. You see a guy who, you know, he's got everything you want physically, but they might lack the work ethic. They might lack the heart. You got everything. So word on the street is you're the first person at the gym and the last one to leave. What do you attribute your work ethic to? Yeah, I think it directly comes from my mom. You know, my mom's a, she put that straight immigrant mentality in me, and I was able to. I was aware of like the the hardships and the type of hours she was putting putting into like provide for us at a very very early age. You know, so it was something that I was able to copy instantly. And then when I started training, um, like I I tried to play football in high school. Oh, I did play football in high school, but I played my junior and senior year. And they, they made me the captain just off my work ethic, but it let me know instantly that I hated team sports, you know, because I can't force everybody to do what I want to do. So that um being part of that also was a big part. There's a lot of little things that add to it as my life went on, but the biggest thing I could attribute it to is definitely watching my mom. I mean, you only get one mom, so you got to cherish her. And, yeah, I, I feel you on that, man. And, look, I mean, the famous quote is hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard. But when talent does work hard, look the fuck out, right? Yeah, exactly. A lot of miracles can happen when you get a good combination of the two. Like, some people call it a cheat code, you know, your athletic gifts. And the reason I bring this up, like, we're going to get to it. But some people like to call it a cheat code. But I actually agree with Uncle Ben from Spider-Man that um, with great power comes great responsibility because there actually is probably extra pressure on you because of the expectations. When someone sees a picture of you, they think, oh, he's just going to knock these guys knock out. Somebody you know, out. How many people I've seen over the years that, you know, that are specimens, but they don't pan out. They don't show up to the gym or if they get into a bad spot in a fight, they might mentally check out. So Exactly. I mean, exactly. The, the, the best thing that's helped me out is um when I – first started training for real, I was brought in here as a white belt in a fighter house filled with like world champion jiu-jitsu guys. So I learned really early on how to become the nail. And that's what I try to teach like the younger guys coming on now is like everybody can be a good hammer. You have to learn how to be a good nail, you know. You have to learn how to get in there and get um get dominated and still keep on going and not break. You know, that's what really happens with a lot of these people. And like you're saying, like the, the guys that are knockout artists and blah blah like they look a certain kind of way those are the guys that usually check out the fastest you know because they've gone through their whole life um with an extra edge just based on how they physically look or the physical gifts that they have do you feel like the talk of your physical gifts discredits your hard work and your skill set oh definitely that's why i always um well i don't think it discredits it but um i always make sure i i put my how, how do I want to say? I, I, I put on my own version of the story out there first, you know. I try to control the narrative. That's it. Yeah, I put my narrative out there before anybody can be like, oh, man, that dude's just athletic, you know. And then based off my reputation, so anybody that ever meets me kind of knows that a lot of the things I do is not based off athletic gifts. I'm I'm a big, big drill drilling kind of guy. You know, I drill a lot of my moves. Most of my highlights have came from drills, you know. There's some highlights that I have, like, tape of me like drilling before before the fight and then af afterwards i get it i'm like okay hey this is what i did this is what i did and this is what i try to put into the younger guys so and these drills aren't like me doing anything exciting there's usually small boring stuff and i mean there's a bunch of techniques that you use in your fights that are very subtle but if you pay attention uh, we're going to talk about those in a sec but before we do that so last time i had you on the show you were only five and no now you're 12 and two but back then you fought this dude named chuka willis and i vividly remember you talking about this so he was, he's nigerian as well and you yeah. told me that when you told your family that you were in there with a nigerian they're like wait 
uh, what? Like, what? are you kidding me? And I know <laughs> that your family, look, I know they're, they're fighters, but they're not fighters inside the octagon. They're fighters as people. So I'm yeah. curious about what kind of things they told you after your fight with Arnold Allen. Because I saw that as like, you know, one of the highest level rising contender fights I've seen in a long yeah. ass time. But since the result wasn't what you wanted, would you have to hear more advice than ever from the family? Yeah. Well, yeah, um, from the from the people that I care about their opinions, no. But the people whose that's how it always is. The people whose opinions you don't want to hear are the ones that offer it the most. <laughs> but the people whose opinions that I did want to hear, it was it was good stuff. It was good feedback. You know, like there's um there's things that you say to somebody um when they lose, and there's things that you shouldn't say. You know, so the people whose opinion you don't care about are the ones that usually say the things that you should. They're the ones that try to coach you. It's like <laughs> as if they know what they're talking about. But from like my my good circle. It was just um encouragements, you know, like just trying to keep me at a at a in a good place because they they're like, hey, I don't don't feel sad, don't be depressed, blah blah. blah. You gotta meet him again, just little things like that, and that's that's stuff that matters because at the highest level, like you said, me and Arnold was like a prospect against prospect kind of fight. It was one of those fights that sooner or later we're gonna have to run it back, you know, and it's one of those things where um. If I moved this way here, if I moved this way there, the results could have been a little bit different. So, from my the circle that I care about, once again, it wasn't really much. the The things that I was hearing, like opinions on the most, and like the people that didn't matter anyway. So it's just one year out the other. I mean, dude, that was such a chess match of a fight. And when you see what he just did to his last opponent, does that all like just affirm where you're at in this? Well, division? yeah, I I knew it. I I was telling um somebody asked me at the gym. It was like, man, Hooker. It was like I was like, I don't like Arnold. Just doesn't um because he doesn't talk. He's kind of like me. Like he doesn't talk a lot of trash, you know. And he's somebody that um disappears really uh, often. So people don't give him the respect that he deserves. But I was pretty confident that he was going to beat Hooker. I didn't expect him to finish him in the first round, but I was pretty confident he was going to beat him. How much did a fight like that between you and Arnold elevate your game? Just let you know that, like, there's other young, hungry, talented, skilled fighters out there seeking that same goal that you are, and they're not going to give you an inch to take a mile. Yeah, it, it helps. it helps out a lot because it's – I always try to take something away from all, like every single one of my fights, but it's hard to take away from wins, you know, because at the end of the day, things still went your way. But when you have, when you're forced to face a loss, you definitely got to take something away from it. Otherwise you're going to keep repeating the same mistakes. So with the Arnold fight, a lot of things I worked on was more mental parts of the game. Like when it comes to how to actually approach the fight, you know, it was actually, um, I got pretty serious for working with like a mental coach, a sports coach after that fight because that was the first time I found myself in a situation where I wasn't ahead in the in the last round. And it, even though my coaches told me I was down two rounds, in my mind, I was still trying to win the third round instead of trying to finish the fight. I said, like, it's a common misconception when people watch me fight. They they think I'm the um going for the finish kind of guy. Like, man, he's always looking for a knockout. He's always blah, blah, blah. But that's just naturally how, how my my fighting style is. In my mind, I'm just trying to win each part of the each part of the rounds, and the knockouts just happen when they happen based off the drills that I've done. But in that third round, when I'm rewatching the fight, I'm like, I was never my mind never switched to like, hey, you got to finish this fight. I'm still trying to win. I'm doing cage control. I'm um trying to win the clinches, you know. So that's really the biggest thing I took away from that fight, just how to be present in the fight to make different decisions, because I'm always in a flow when I'm fighting. And that's that's a good thing because you want to um, rely on your technique and the things you worked on, but not when you're down two rounds. You got to be able to take yourself out of the flow and make decisions. And respect to you for admitting that you started talking to a mental coach because for the longest time people would view that as like oh, only pussies do stuff like that. Yeah. That's that's you definitely have to like put your ego aside to do that. Yeah, that's definitely something that I even I even shared at the gym because I wanted to express it. So like the guys coming under me could could hear me say it, you know, because I, I won't lie. I kind of felt the same way when I was coming up, you know, and even when I first started going to the guy, I didn't really tell a lot of people. It was just on me and my coach that went. And like after a while, I started talking about it more when I started seeing how it helped. And it, it, I, it definitely helped when I was fighting on 
this new one because I, I felt present the whole fight, you know. It was like even though I was still flowing, I was able to make adjustments, make reads and stuff like that. I was present. Like it's not it's not really overthinking, but you have to be able to think a little bit in there. You can't just go on full autopilot. Most of my career is you know full autopilot. Well, I mean, it's clear that you went out there and you won round three, but I'm, I'm curious about your mindset because you knew you were down to nothing. Your coaches knew that as well. But when you're actually the man in the fight, like what is going through your head in that moment? Is it I got to get him out of there or win minute by minute? That's what I'm saying. Like in, in the fight, of course, now out of it, it's easy to make decisions. And and when you watch it, it's easy to make decisions. But in the fight, I'm, I'm – that was my 11th pro fight and maybe like 20 or something, 30 or something fight in general. But that was literally my first time in that position. And I, I was really disappointed in myself um, for like a, a long time, a couple of weeks after that fight, because I didn't make a good adjustment. I didn't think, hey, let's try to finish this guy. I was just thinking about trying to win that third round, you know. And like as soon as it was over, you, um, I'm sure there's like clips of, the UFC caught when me and him were talking as soon as it was over. And I was like, and I was like, man, what, what do you think? He's like, yeah, I think I won the first. So I was like, yeah, I, I think you're right, you know? So it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's a lot going on in a fight. A fight, fight is a lot more chaotic than y'all would expect. <laughs> but at the highest level, at the highest level, we try to make it look cool, calm, and collected, you know? So, <laughs> but like I said, it's, it was a good lesson to learn. I, 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 now I wish I would have learned it from somebody else. I would have learned it off a win, but a lesson is a lesson. <laughs> but you know what, man? What's cool about a fight like that is that I know your aspirations aren't just to have three round contender fights. I know your aspirations are five round main five. events, championship yeah. fight. So does that at least give you confidence? Um, no, no. So, so the reason why I want to, I want to push back against that is because I don't like to, um, I, I don't know how to put this. I, there's one thing I really hate is um discrediting somebody else's achievements, you know. So I don't I don't want to put that narrative out there because it discredits Arnold's win, you know. Like oh, I I hear a lot of people say that's like loser talk, you know. It's um that's somebody that's just trying to grasp at anything, not not to be offensive to anybody, but like whenever you hear fighters say stuff like man, if it was a five rounder, out of blah blah, that is a is a very loser like mentality because. You, you didn't sign up for a five round fight. You signed up for a three round fight. <laughs> like it doesn't matter if he was dead tired and through the whole third round, he did his job. You know, so I try not to put that narrative out there. Of course, there's a little bit of um that voice in your head that's like, man, you're you was in good shape and blah blah blah. But it doesn't matter. You lost. I feel you, and I respect that you're humble about it. But the way I'm kind of asking you about it is not to discredit Arnold, because I fucking think Arnold's fantastic. To me, it's more so like when I watch a guy like Cheeto Verify, for example, I've watched his whole career, and I've always thought, man, if this guy could just get five-round fights, that's where he's really going to shine. Now he is fighting in a main event, and I feel like he is going to shine. You he, is, he is, he is. Cheeto, um, I think he's had a couple of fights where, like, if, if it wasn't three, I mean, if it wasn't five, he would have been a little bit of trouble. Yeah. So in that fight with Alex Caceres, look, everyone loves to talk about the leg kicks, and we'll talk about that too because it is impressive throwing leg kicks on a southpaw when you're orthodox. We'll get to that in a sec. But – what about in the first couple seconds of the fight? He takes you down. He's about to take your back. What did you do to prevent him from taking yeah. your back? That was very impressive. Yeah, yeah. We we, we drilled that. Like, man, I, I have a teammate, Garrett Lineberger, Jamil Hill T Taylor, and Malachi Edmonds. Like, we spent the whole maybe three or four months just working that specific position. And it's so funny. It's like I as soon as I hit the counter – in my mind, I was like, I should just point to the camera right now. <laughs> so, so, so my boys know I just did they move, you know. But those same – um, th these guys are NCAA champions and Black Belt World champions, you know. So if they could – if they can't take my back, I, I Alex Alex is just not on their level. No disrespect to him, you know. So the biggest thing is, like, um, just against the fence was more, was more dangerous than when we was on the ground. When we was on the ground, there was really no – I didn't feel like I was in that much trouble. To be honest, we disengaged because he – I was about to come on top and end up in side control, and I know he felt that. So that's why he kind of disengaged. But against the fence, it was a little bit more scary, you know, because if I couldn't keep my back flat against that wall, I'm pretty sure he would have jumped on my back. And once I stopped those two 
those two scrambles, I think he could see like, okay, maybe his just is a little bit better than I thought it was. Just as a fellow jujitsu practitioner, you know, I'm just a, a two-stripe blue belt, but still I want to learn, you know, all these techniques. And oftentimes to prevent someone taking the back, the wizard is a great option. But you weren't doing that. Were you no. touching your elbow to your thigh? Like what exactly no. were you doing to prevent so the back? It, it's, it's going to be a little bit complicated to explain over the phone. But the, the biggest um I think Gary's gonna kill me because now <laughs> but the biggest um the biggest part of it is working off single legs. So we start we start the drills with getting a single leg and doing a crackdown on a single leg. So my it's a head outside single leg and we're doing a crackdown, working from the person's knee and putting them on their hip. From that point, I'm doing a cartwheel over to the other side to try to get inside control. My arm is still under their leg but I'm, my whole body is on top of them. And that's how the position kind of works. So it, it's the same concept when they go to take your back. When they're putting in like the first hook, if you still grab the same thing as the single leg right here and crack them down to that hip, you just jump over to the other side. So when I when Alex was trying to get around my back and I had the I had his um I had the single leg and he was trying to put the hook on the other side because of the crackdown that hook has too long of a way to go. The, the other hook can't get to the other side. So I, I hope it makes sense. When you watch it on video, it might make a little bit more sense. So one single leg is cracking down. His hook can't get to the other side. As soon as I shake off the last hook, I'm jumping straight over. So as soon as I shook off the last hook, he quickly disengaged because he could feel he was going to be on bottom and I was going to be on top. Okay. I'm going to have to replay what you said and watch the clip. And watch it, yeah. It'll and that's going to help me learn how to do that. So – now, the leg kicks, everyone likes to talk about that. Now, what was most impressive is, look, we all know you got a good kicking game all the way back to your whole career. But what's most impressive is an orthodox fighter leg kicking a southpaw. Because, like, yeah. I mean, you know firsthand that it's a lot tougher to get off on those inside leg kicks for southpaws. You look at a fight between Jose Aldo and Korean Zombie. Korean Zombie switched his stance. Jose Aldo, for the longest time, he was the king of the leg kicks. He actually broke his foot when yeah. uh, Chan Sung Jung went southpaw. And from that point... Jose didn't throw kicks for a long ass time. I, I, I like that you. I like that you brought that up because a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't um give the Korean Zombie credit for that. And people are always get like, man, why isn't Auto kicking anymore? People don't realize after years and years of kicking people and you get your foot and shin destroyed, those kicks don't feel the same after the fight, you know. And sometimes you go into the fight with the shins already bruised. But um to answer your question, um to be funny, I mean um to be honest. When we was watching tape, the inside leg kick wasn't there, like you said, kicking against southpaws, but not necessarily even just against southpaw. Bruce Leroy stands in a karate stance, so not only is he a southpaw, his shin is damn near pointed, like <laughs> it's pointed right at you at, at your shin bone, you know. So I wasn't planning on kicking his, the inside of his leg, but once the fight started, he he didn't stand in the karate stance; he stood more open which might be because he said his only goal was to just jump on my back. He was probably standing straight forward because of that. And my original game plan was to kick at his arms because he was in a karate stance. I was just going to keep kicking at his arms because he does that a good lean back when you go for a head kick. I was just going to keep kicking at his arms just to keep him still. And the way he runs around so much, he runs side to side. I was going to use that to try to trap him and keep him in front of me. But in the fight, in like the first couple of rounds, instead of running side to side, he was running all the way back and then side to side. Like he was going all the way out of range before he went side to side. And I couldn't really get to his arms either way. So I threw one inside leg kick and I saw he never switched back to um, his normal karate stance. He just stayed straight forward. And at, at the gym, I tell people all the time, I'm an avid move spammer. You know? <laughs> if it works once, I'm going to do it about a hundred times until you make me stop doing it. You know? <laughs> so once I got the first one off, now it's just building a game plan around what worked the best. So now it's just hiding it behind little feints like that, little counters, and that that's it. Try to make the game as easy as possible. You bit in there with a good bit of southpaws, Gabriel, Arnold. Do you feel like those experiences yeah, man, you know, they fight drastically they, different? They, they are trying to kill me with these southpaws, man. <laughs> like every time it's like, yeah, hey, another southpaw, another southpaw, another southpaw. I think I, I've had like Andre is an exception because he switches stances, but I think I've had like four southpaws in a row now. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's like four southpaws in a row. But it, it is what it is. Like you said, I'm, I'm at this point. <laughs> each camp is me trying to um, work with southpaw training partners. You know, 
I, I would love to get another orthodox guy again because you, you, you know, my, you see my old fights. I have a lot of good tricks against um, orthodox guys, but against southpaws, I got to be a lot more careful. So you actually called out Bryce Mitchell, which I think is a fantastic call out because that guy, I got so much respect for him and his style because one thing I've been talking about a lot on the show is these guys that can shoot takedown after takedown after takedown. First few get stuffed, but they're not discouraged, and you're huffing and puffing because you had to stuff those takedowns, and they're still coming for that sixth, seventh, eighth takedown. Like that's something I really respect. That kid has a real hustle, and – Edson was so worried about the takedowns. Edson ends up getting knocked down in the fight. So I respect this kid, Bryce, a lot. And I think that's admirable that you called out a a real-ass dude that he's undefeated in the UFC. You've been doing your thing. Like, that's a serious uh, rising contender showdown right there. Yeah, definitely, man. Like like you said before, I'm not I'm not just here to just be like another guy on the roster. You know, Bryce had a lot has a lot of skills and he knows. I know he's going to do a lot of big things. I went over Bryce to do a lot for my career. And Bryce has a lot of eyes on him right now. And, I, and it's one of those things where, like, you know, when they say, oh, oh, fuck around and find out. I'm trying to find out, you know. <laughs> so I want I just I want to test myself against him. I really believe I have a, a lot of things in my tools that people haven't been able to see yet. And in a fight against Bryce, I'll be able to show it off. I've only ever called out two guys in my in the UFC. And that's Bryce Mistral and Cron Gracie. So I, I think you can see the pattern. Right, yeah, you got to show off, and I mean, I mean, I saw that Kimura sweep you hit against Feely, so let's not sit here. We, we, I, I got, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to get my ratings up on the UFC game, man. They got me as a three star on grappling. <laughs> I mean, I think it's because you've given up takedowns, but they don't have respect yeah, for the man, game. My my takedowns are like one second with me on my butt. It, it never lasts any longer than that. Well, exactly. But that's something I've noticed even from like Vic back in the day. Like he'd get taken down, but he'd always pop right back up. So yeah. so what is your opinion of, okay, yeah, you'll, you're going to stuff the first few takedowns. You're going to get back up from the first few. But when this guy is not discouraged at all and he's still shooting and shooting and shooting, like how does the preparation for something like that go? Remember how our conversation started, man. I tell everybody at the gym I was a good nail way before I was a good hammer. So I, I'm not. I'm never one that you're gonna see get discouraged from. Oh, he, this guy's still shooting. Guess what? I'm gonna still be defending too. You know. So it's it's not. This isn't something that's new to me. So obviously, someone else that you'd love to fight in your division. I'm sure every single person would is the champion Volkanovski. And listen, Definitely. we can sit here talk about the calf kicks. We can talk about the punches, the well-roundedness. But what I want to talk about with Volk, what I think makes Volk you know, the best fighter in the division right now, the champ is his fainting game. I think his fainting game is so world-class. It is. Something like that. Yeah, it is. His fainting game is definitely legit. It's it's not just him. It's all those city kickboxing guys. And to be honest, I feel like, (laughs) I know everybody said Max got robbed in the second fight. I thought Max won the second fight too. And I think the fainting game is what won Max, um, what won Volkanovski the first fight. But in the second fight, I think the reason why Max won or the reason why people think Max won is because Max just went into the fight not respecting any of the feints. So that's really what is going to end up be- the same thing, um, too, with um, – I'm a lead. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> but, um, Max, Max just went in not respecting the feints, you know. So at that point, it's like – Every time um, Volkanovski fainted, Max just acted like it was a real combination and just went in and kept doing what he was doing. And Max is such a high-volume striker, you know, it's like he's not going to get tired because he bit on feints. He's just going to – if he misses the first two, he's going to keep pressing with straight shots. So I honestly think that's it. You just can't over – overly respect the feints, you know. And I'm sure Volkanovski – he probably tries to work around that by making sure he hurts you real early or whatever he's trying to think. He makes sure that lands real early and hurts you, but you just can't overly respect it. For sure. So, hey, for all the fans watching live right now, submit your questions for Sodik. Uh, I got a couple more for him. We'll get your questions, then we'll get him out of here. So, dude, listen, that Mike Davis fight, I mean, to this day, best fight in Contender Series history, bar none. I mean, just hit up about that all-time classic you put on with Mike. All, all, all the time, man. We just need the UFC to officially stamp us. I don't know what they're waiting for. Like, it's, 
every fan or anybody that's watched it knows me and him have the best fight in contender series history. I just wish the UFC would just give us some type of like nomination. Like if that fight happened on a regular UFC card, me and him would have walked away with bonuses, you know. Like they, they got they gotta give us like our um the same way they always post those little rewinds. It's like, man, give give us our stamp, man. And like and look, both of us are doing pretty well now in the UFC. Mike isn't as active as um isn't that I think he's had two two or three fights now, but his last fight I think was um against that um Manson or, or Mason. Yeah, that that was a great great fight. And the one before that was him killing that um that Jesus looking dude. It's like <laughs> that that was that was impressive. That was very that was a hard fight to watch, man. That was a very hard fight to watch. Yeah, that kid is a talent. And you know, you were a big underdog in that fight. Um like going into that, I'd say at the time that was the best guy you ever fought, but it was all about rising to the occasion. At the time, did it seem like, oh wow, this is what the UFC level is like? No, man. <laughs> yeah, to, to be honest, I didn't know I was an underdog until the morning of the fight. Vic walks into my hotel room and he goes, Duh, they have you as a three-one underdog. These people are fucking crazy. I'm about to get paid. <laughs> and that was when I found out I was a three to three to one underdog. Like I, I thought it was just prospect versus prospect. I was like, okay, we're gonna come do this. Cause I was um I, I was six and one. I think he was maybe four or five and oh. But I, man, come on, dog. It's <laughs> much much respect, much respect to Mike, but I, I, I did not think. I think somebody just messed up. Like, did it? Yeah, he was he was like a good talent, but I don't think our skill set was that far apart. Like, if you had watched both of our fights, it didn't make any sense for me to be that low of an underdog. Well, he was undefeated at the time, and you had the fluke loss and this and that. And that's not to discredit the dude that beat you, but like, let's be let's keep it a hundred. Y'all fight ten times, you beat him nine out of ten. Whereas with you and Arnie, that can be 50-50 each time. So there's a, yeah. there's a clear difference. For for sure, for sure. But that that's another fight too that I took a lot from, man. I remember um in, in that fight for that training camp, my coach was like, Hey, the dude had a highlight of him hitting that drop drop say right. and knocking two people out, you know. And my coach came up to me, he's like, Hey, we're gonna work with a judo guy, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're still young, you're undefeated, blah, blah. You're not thinking about these kind of things. And I was like, I worked I, I worked to defend it, but I didn't take it seriously, you know. I was like Man, he's not gonna hit me with that bullshit, you know. But then you you wake up on UFC fight pads and you got tossed on your head. That teaches you a good lesson. That's another story that I repeat often at the gym. Like I'm like a broken record with these things because I try to to I try to learn from other people's mistakes. But if I've made a mistake too, I try to tell the younger guys just so they could um they could try to find a way to avoid it. There's certain things that people out here can do that will blow your mind, you know. And like no matter what you think of anything else that they got. If they have something special, you have to respect it. That's why I'm a big I'm a big believer in watching film too. Was it just a matter of being cocky? I mean, you were undefeated. I, 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 would, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say um being cocky because I I did respect it. It's just I didn't respect it to the level that I should have. You know, it's like um I didn't realize how much I didn't give it enough enough respect. I got you. So. Speaking of respect, your Mowgli Benitez fight. You the first like two minutes, you're literally walking this down this dude down without a care in the world. I can't, I can't, I can't help who I am, Daniel. I can't help. I tell, I tell you, like, I, it, it's just, it's just in me, you know. And I keep a good poker face too, so people, people think like I'm like, man, this, this is not showing them any respect, and blah, blah blah. But what? It's just, it's just my game face. Like outside, outside of that, man. I'm just a nice and happy guy. I just I just be laughing and making jokes. So when it when it's fight time and the way like the way I fight, it, it presents a different a different version of who I really am. <laughs> I feel you. So I mean, first two minutes, it's one way traffic. He ends up landing that one punch. Is that back to you know? Hey, I'm not just a good hammer. I'm a good nail too, and I got resolve at heart like a true warrior. As, exactly, exactly. Like I've never been the best guy at my gym at anything. I've never been. I've never been the best guy at striking. I've never been the best guy at wrestling. I damn sure ne never been the best guy at jiu-jitsu. You know, so it's 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 one of those things. Though I've I've always been resilient. I've always been a hard worker. You know, it, it, I've been in a lot of different rooms where I could confidently say I was putting in the most work in that room. You know, so it's one it's one of those things where I've always been a good nail, and I take I take pride in that. You know, like 
it's not necessarily like, oh man, I could get my ass whooped and I could keep going. But <laughs> you have you have to be able to say, um, when when push comes to shove, you're not gonna break. I got you. So the thing that I like the most about that fight, like we can talk about the pull counter knockout and all that, but one thing, and this is back to the little subtle details of your game, dude, your hand fighting, the way you grab the wrists, like people don't know. Should, should I shut up about that? Hey, like, man, hey, I'm glad. I'm glad you're paying attention, man. I'm glad you're paying attention, man. That that's what's up. That's a, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that. I'm glad you're paying attention. I, I have a lot of drills with hand fighting and like um elbow blocks. I we I have this running joke when I say like I'm doing the 52 blocks, you know. But <laughs> I mean it kind it kind of is what it is, you know. But I love hand fighting, especially with MMA gloves, um because most of us um train with boxing gloves. A lot of us don't utilize our actual grips when it comes to striking. We only use our grips when it comes to um grappling. So. Speaking of your ground game and that Andre Feely fight, I I, I I alluded it to er, to it earlier. That Kimura sweep. I mean, we know you come from a great jujitsu gym. Do you feel like we haven't even scratched the surface of what you're capable of on the mat? Because Vic yeah. told me that you're in there with world class dudes every single day. Yeah, that was one of the things um I worked on with the Mets um with the sports psychologist is um to be honest, even even my my coach knows it too. I, I came in as a white belt in a world, room full of world champions. So, like I said, I, I was strictly on defense. At this point, like, you're just trying to survive. So, in that Andre Philly fight, it's like, it's funny. When I got on top of him, I was, I, I gave him a little bit too much respect. I've been watching Andre on TV since freaking I graduated high school, you know? So, it's like, I got on top, and instead of just going full offense, I'm, I pass the guard and I'm waiting for his counter. <laughs> like I, I get the Kimura, I'm waiting for him to bump the sweep. So like when you watch that fight again, you will watch me gain position and wait for him to react. And then the reaction just never came, you know. So it's it's one. That's another thing that I talk to my the sports psychologist about. Is like, all right, it's time for you to start tapping people. We make a big um. We've been putting a lot of um time with that. Like in the past couple of years at the gym with me. Yeah. attack and attack and attack and attack and like go dominate these guys like you got you stop showing so much respect go dominate so your fight right before the mike davis fight you actually fought conor mcgregor's training partner doing too the new the new you know what's funny about that fight? Like the fight, great knockout, all that. But what about the commentator? Like I can't get out of my head. Super Yusuf, super Yusuf. You know what I'm talking about? Do you laugh every time yeah, you hear that? Yeah. Th those are my guys. I got a lot of love in Jordan. You know, it's like uh, I was only able to fight for Brave once, but it was it was such like good vibes. You know, like just because one they like me just because I have a Muslim name. But when I was out there, too, it was just good people all around. You know, like, that was my first time visiting Jordan. It was a lot of good, good energy. The Nuke is, was a hell of a character, man. Like, this dude was, like, like mini, like, McGregor. This is, like, when McGregor was, like, at his height. So yeah. this dude was, like, me mugging, talking trash, just going crazy. That was, not, that, that was definitely a hell of a week. And then I got freaking food poisoning before the fight. Like, oh, no. I, th th that was crazy. I had... I remember I was telling my coach, I asked him if we had a different pair of fight shorts for me to wear because I was 100% going to shit on myself in the fight. So, like, <laughs> walking out, now not only am I thinking about the actual fight, I'm thinking about, man, I really don't want to be on World Star Hip Hop for freaking shitting on myself in the middle of a mixed martial arts fight, you know? I was like, man, do we have any black shorts? He's like, no, we only have white. So, luckily, oh, enough, man. man, luckily enough, that fight ended so quick because 100% guaranteed I was going to shit on myself. I was literally, I left the bathroom before my walkout, and as soon as I finished the fight, I ran right back into the bathroom again. And then after that, I was in the hotel room, just laid out until we had to go back home. A 39-second first-round knockout, thank God, right? You yeah, I can't, hey, can't complain. I can't complain at all. So one thing you and I briefly talked about off-air was your battle with COVID. And, and you know, actually, you went public with it, so we can talk about it a little bit. And yeah. my experience was, like, you know, I'm not obviously a top-15 guy like you, but I do pride myself on the fact that I train jujitsu regularly. I live somewhat of a healthy lifestyle. So while COVID was going on, I was thinking, like, oh, come on, this is a common cold, a flu, this and that. Dude, when I had it, it kicked my ass in a way where – like last week I had a common cold and it was like paradise compared to COVID. It was like the best day of my life compared to COVID. When I had COVID, it was horrific. You had to sit out 
for over like a year and a half and you're like a real fucking athlete so can you just talk a little bit and guys we're not getting political we're not trying to spread any bullshit propaganda we're just talking about this it, it, is, it, is, what it, is. it is what it is there's no, there's no propaganda behind it i feel like that's that's kind of where it hurt me um in the beginning too was because there just wasn't enough information out there turns out the stuff that me and you went through with the long haul stuff is very, very common, and it's even more common with athletes. Like it's not, it's not just something like, um, um if you're healthy, you're gonna be able to beat it. Because when I caught it, I wasn't the only person at the gym that caught COVID, but everybody else just bounced back. Some people didn't even have anything; they just tested positive and was just okay. So I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to the gym. And my body starts aching, I'm getting headaches, I'm getting tired and stuff like that, I'm running out of breath. And I'm thinking in my head too, and this is after I just took a loss. So I, I don't know what's going on, you know, I'm like, man, am I feeling unmotivated? Like, whenever I felt the fatigue, I'm like, man, maybe I'm just being a punk, like, maybe I'm just being unmotivated. So my answer to it was more when my body started aching on my head started hurting, I was like, okay, let me just, let me go for a run, let me go clear my mind. I'm, I'm doing like like five mile, six mile runs, not knowing that this is, I'm just making myself worse and worse and worse, you know, because I didn't know that I was supposed to just stop everything and, and let my body rest. So I was, I was doing that for maybe like three weeks, two, three weeks. And then it got to the point where now my symptoms aren't just flaring up at practice. It's like, I'm, it's flaring up in my regular day. Like I'm in the kitchen and I'm like, all right, I got to I gotta go lay down. I got to go sit down. And that's when I, I messaged my coach. I'm like, man, there's something going on. I don't know what's going on. I think I might have to stop fighting for a while. Like, I was, I was thinking about retirement, to be honest. Because <laughs> at, this, at this point, I'm not worried about training anymore. I'm worried about, like, that. you guys might not know, but I lost two brothers, you know? So, I'm that, like, you start having these thoughts going through your head. It's like, maybe I'm next or something. So I'm like, I got, I got to figure out what's going on. And then it was actually the team, the team doctor. He works with a, um, an Olympic sprinter. And when I was talking to him, he was like, "Man, you're saying the same thing this girl's saying. This girl's been out for like uh, half a year. <laughs> the same thing, like she's been out for half a year. And everything that you tell me is the same kind of things that she, she's been going through. And it's like, man, I think you might want to like look up long haul COVID symptoms, like what this is. And as soon as I looked it up. It was the same exact story for everybody. And it was like um, NFL guys, NBA guys, and like they're mentioning the same exact thing, the same exact thing, the same exact thing. And I think, um, funny enough, um, Raquel Pennington, after one of her fights, I heard her say something about it too. So I was like, oh, okay, so this isn't um, something that's uncommon. It's just, I, I think there might be like three or four of us that was on the UFC roster that actually had a pretty hard time with COVID, you know? And like you said, like people wanted to make it like a political thing. It's like, at the end of the day, it, 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 it is what it is, you know? I don't care about what you think about vaccines and all that stuff. It's just, the, the thing is serious, you know? And if, if it could happen to somebody like me, it's like, I have pretty, I, I pride myself on being a pretty healthy kind of dude. It happens to a lot of people. That's my point. I mean, this man is 28 years old, top 15 UFC fighter. Look at the shape you're in. And it fucked you up for a year and a half. Like that, that's all I got to say. You yeah. feel me? So are, are you 100% now? I mean, you just. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I call, not all good, man. Not all good. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be fine. It's funny enough when I, um, when I was fighting Alex, like in the, when the fight started, it went through my mind a little bit. I was like, man, I'm like getting tired. And I was like, man, like that. <laughs> Obviously, there's going to be tough days in training just because of the way you train. But so, but as far oh, as the COVID trust me, you, you can tell the difference. <laughs> trust me, you can tell the difference. Like going through it is like, like even when I think about it, sometimes like I'll have like a little panic response in my body because you can tell the difference. It's not, it's not regular fatigue, like getting tired. It's like getting tired and like. I'm ready to go to sleep. Like, if, if I lay down right there, I'm going to fall asleep right there. Or it's not 
um, my my muscles are sore. It's like it's literally aching. Like my life feels like my body's like aching, you know. So it's you could definitely tell the difference. And of course, too, when you're coming back, you're a little bit more tight, man. I have some good stories about my weight coming back, man. I had <laughs> I so so you know I'm, I'm I'm working myself back into the gym. You know, my coach knows this, so he's putting me with specific people. You know, like all right, these, these are people you can hang with. And those those people are, are getting the best of me when I'm at like maybe five percent, you know, and it got it built it built up a little bit of egos at the gym and it made a lot of entertainment, you know. But I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Well, we're glad you're back, man. And on a more positive note, how inspiring is it for you to know that hey, there's three UFC champions from Africa right now in Ganu. Uzman, Israel. I mean, obviously, I want to ask you how much would it mean to you to be the fourth. But before I ask you that, how much does it mean to you to have three people representing your continent? Man, it, it means a lot, man. I always told people rep, representation matters a lot, man. It matters a lot. It means so much, especially for kids. It's like being able to see somebody that comes from where you come from, what look like, what you look like, it's, it makes whatever your dreams and goals feel that much more achievable. I remember, like, when I was younger and I was out see freaking Rashad Evans on Rampage on the screen, I was like, hey, man, they're black guys, you know? It's like that that little bit of extra, like, um, motiv- not even just motivation, it's just, like, being able to see, like, okay, it's possible. That, that meant so much for me as a kid. It's like, okay, you can actually do your dream. But then when I saw um, Kamaru on the Ultimate Fighter, that night it was over. <laughs> it was like, like, at that point, he was my guy. You know? like, and then, like, even though he was only wrestling, no matter how his fights went, I was hyped. <laughs> like, like, that was my guy. Three-round unanimous decisions. I'm just over here like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then let it alone. When they started winning belts, like, man, I'm going crazy now. So, like, man, it, it means a lot to me. And, like, I said it before in one of the interviews, like, I hope one day, like, the kids growing up that will look at me that same way. And, you know, it's interesting because before you were in the UFC and we talked, you told me, like, hey, you can go to Nigeria right now. Like, I know Nganu is from Cameroon, but you said you can go to Nigeria right now. You can see 10 different Francis Nganus walking on the street, and they don't even train yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, the um the physicality is definitely there for sure. You know, and right now it's just the opportunities that people have. That's really the only thing that's separating us from like these Dagestani countries where or Russia where the government is funding them to be able to train. Once like it's getting bigger now because of Izzy and Usman. But once you start getting some rope back and into it, man, I'm, we're, you're gonna see a whole lot more of us, man. You're gonna see we're, we're gonna get Africa's top team going on pretty soon. <laughs> Uh, that would be that would be dope. Uh, watch out, rest of the UFC. So, so Deke, before I get you out of here, you down to uh, answer a couple fan questions? Yeah, no problem. Awesome. So Josh says he says, ask so Deke, how good is Arnold Allen, and how far do you think uh, he can go for himself? Uh, I think I think Arnold is really good, man. Like to be honest, um, Arnold was very honest before our fight, you know, and the same thing with me. I, I honestly think me and him were better than a lot of people that was ranked ahead of us even before we fight. And I'm not just saying this bef- because he beat me. I, if you go back to my other interviews, you would hear the same thing. And I honestly, I could definitely see him con- con- contender for the belt. Him and Cater, that's definitely a really good call out. The, um, I could, the only people I could see him having a hard time with are like the high volume guys, you know. But right now, skill-wise, his boxing is, is really, really good enough to compete with anybody in that division. I like to um, – there's not a lot of high-pressure wrestlers under the top of the rankings. That's why I said with – I'm definitely sure I'm going to run into him in the future, but I don't see him having a hard time until he runs into maybe maybe Max or maybe I, – I, I might say Emmett, but Emmett hasn't been wrestling a lot. Emmett has been mostly going, going with his hands. So somebody like Max is the only person I see like that will give him a hard time. And, of course, the champion. Uh, Bilal Beek says, the name Sadiq reminds me of the Hebrew word Sadiq, Sadiq which, yeah. which pronounced Sadiq, which means yes. righteous man. You know yes, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what it is. So the reason um, why we say Sadiq is just because it's, um, it's Nigerian. Like the Nigerian people talk with an accent. So it, it, we spelled that with the accent, but it is Sadiq. 
like 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 a friend. It's like it's like a like an Arabic. I think like when I went to Jordan, that's what all of them were saying. They're like, oh man, my son, my son is named Sadiq. Sadiq. Like, like like friend, friend, righteous, righteous friend. So yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. So it's um my first and last name are because my dad was Muslim and Olamide is from Nigeria, is Jaraba. So yeah, that's right on point. Uh, you got some ed educated educated viewers out here, man. Well, sir, yes, sir. Putting in the work always, my man. Hey, so Matt says, massive fan of Sadiq. What are the chances of seeing him back in the octagon this summer? I, I think it's going to be pretty good. So um, Alex fractured my orbital. Not not the um socket, but the the wall in the back. But I, I I just got I just went to the doctor last week. They checked it out. So it's just a small fracture going towards the nose, and it's going to heal on its own. It says it's going to heal in six weeks. And the eyeball is pretty good too. It's just a little bit swollen. They got me on eye drops, and they both doctors have already agreed to clear me once um the orbital actually heals. So realistically, I think I could be back in the ring uh, end of July, maybe beginning of August. Nice. We look forward to that. So Lobby Queen says, "Do you like the smaller apex or the big cage better?" Man, you you got some nice little questions over here, man. Yeah, not um the the smaller apex one hundred percent. It's it's funny is. I hear um, a lot of fighters, not to hate on the crowds. I love the crowd as much as anybody, but the apex feels like practice. And that's what we want as fighters. You want to make the fight feel more like as much as practice as possible. And I think at, at the highest levels, of course, the champions, the ones that are like real comfortable, the ones that have a lot of mat time in the actual ring, they're able to do that. So I like the apex just because it's a small room. Now they're starting to let a little bit of um, crowds in. But when I fought um, Arnold, I, I liked it a lot. It was literally just two of us having a sparring session, you know. The crowd, of course, is good for, um, like, the celebration. It's also good for, like, the walkout energy. But when it comes to the actual fight, I definitely prefer the Apex more than the, um, um, the crowd. But that don't mean take me off these pay-per-views, guys. I don't want nobody from GSC to hear this. Hey, like, oh, all right, we're just going to keep on fighting. Nice. <laughs> I definitely would like to still be on pay-per-views. Hey, but to your credit, there might be more of a chance of getting a bonus on the fight nights. That's true too, and and um, there's where, where my name is right now. The chances of me being higher up on the on the card list is goes up when I fight on the fight nights. So Bilal's beak also wants to know. Speaking of the champions, who do you think you match up better with between Max and Volk? Volk, Volk. Just um, I think Max because of his his range and his um, the numbers he run up. I think I'll do better with Volkanovski, you know, because at, at the end of the day, too, um, I'm always down to rumble, you know, and I think Max, the distance that he keeps will kind of stop that. With Volkanovski, I feel like we could force that to happen. Got you. And last fan question, Herb Dean of the Gold Standard is his username. He says, <laughs> what does Sodiq think about the Will Smith situation? I, I think I think, I think think it's whack as hell on Will Smith's part, man. I think, man, I saw um uh, a video earlier today with Jim Carrey saying um it shows how, like, delusional um actors are that Will Smith got a standing ovation after he just walked up and smacked the comedian for making a bald joke, man. I, I was like, Come on, dog. It's like I, I have friends too. They're like, man, yeah, but she has alopecia, blah, blah. It got to the point where I'm like, man, maybe I have to go re-look up what alopecia means. You know, like I'm starting to think like alopecia might be like something like crazy. Uh, I thought it was just losing hair off of stress and stuff like that. And it turns out, yeah, alopecia is, uh, is an autoimmune disease where it causes you to lose hair. That's not enough for you to walk up on the stage and smack Chris Rock for it. Come on, man. It's, it's Chris Rock, you know? Like, and, and at the end of the day, like he's Will Smith. It's like, Y'all can't be out here doing that kind of stuff. Like, a lot of people look up to y'all. And at the end of the day, like, these – and I'm sure you heard the rhetoric on Twitter. It's like these these women are going to like, yeah, you know, go support your wife, blah, blah, blah. Y'all going to end up – your girlfriend's going to put you in a very tricky situation, you know, <laughs> where you're going to have to do something that you, you probably shouldn't do or you don't want to do. Hey, that's a good point. Well, as a bald dude, let me say this. It's only dudes that give me shit. It's never chicks. So just remember that. <laughs> but my man, before I get you out of here, because I did have a few more, but nothing crazy. Are you still doing the square fit workout? Because, man, when I saw those, I was like, God damn, that's intense. Yeah. It's, it's been hard for me and him to get our schedules together. So now that I do this every once in a while, it's not as consistent as I was doing it before. But it's just because he ha he opened up his own gym, you know, and he's been he's been really really busy, you know. But I, I would like to, you know, and I should bring that bring that up, man. I, I'm gonna try to message him again just to see if I could um get something scheduled together. He's a, he's a busy man. 
I'm not one to give a world class fighter advice, but let's just say I've never seen any workout like that ever. Yeah, I, I love it, man. I love it. And uh, dude, okay, I'm not sure if you're a baseball fan or anything like that. I doubt you are, but maybe I'm just making assumptions. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. That that goes right over my head. <laughs> uh, let's just put some context here. My Atlanta Braves just won the World Series. Your Baltimore Orioles are the worst team in all of baseball. Like, okay. Do you think maybe we got to bring Sodiq to give them a little pep talk before one of the games <laughs> to get them motivated or something? Hey, remember what I told you about the um my football story? Me and team sports don't mix, you know? It's like I will never be okay with another man being in charge of – another man's work ethic being in charge of the, the outcome of my career. I feel you there. Well, Sodiq – I truly want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been an absolute pleasure. The fans can follow you at Super Sodique and at Super underscore Sodique. Uh, Sodique, it's been a pleasure. Any message for the fans before we get out of here? Man, no, that's it, man. I appreciate. Oh, wait. I, could, um, I appreciate y'all for having me. I, I want to plug, if you guys follow me, I plug my mom's like clothing store all the time. So that's the only thing that I would like to promote if I can. So yeah. just go follow her Instagram page. Tyus Adirai or click the link in my bio and you'll see it says mom's clothing store. If you guys could go pick something up from her, I would really hey, appreciate it. Tell, tell me how to spell it so I can uh, plug it on the screen real quick. Yeah. T-A-Y-E T-A-Y-E A-D-I-R-E A-D-I-R-E dot com dot com. So real quick, hold on. Just uh, tell me if this is the right thing. No, T, not C. Okay, let me remove that really quickly. All right, so T A Y E A D I R E dot com. All right, so yeah, hold, hold on, guys. This is correct, right here. Yes, yes, that is perfect. Yeah, so if you guys could go, go on her site and just pick any, anything up, even if you're not, even if you don't like traditional African attire, just go in there, pick something up as a as a thank you to Super Sadiq. <laughs> I would appreciate it. Oh, yeah, it'd be a pleasure, man. So, Deke, thanks for the time. Let's do this again soon. Best of luck with everything, man. We're rooting for you. And thanks again, dude. I appreciate you for having me on. I got to get to practice now. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you, man. Take care, bro. Thanks. Hey, so that was top 15 UFC featherweight, super Sodiq Yusuf. What a fucking awesome guy, man. I mean, obviously, we love watching him fight some of the most exciting fights we've seen in the featherweight division. And this is a guy on the upward trajectory and just very self-aware, too. Like, we got a lot of insight out of him. So very, very exciting times in the featherweight division. I think guys like him. Arnold Allen. I mean, I can pull up the rankings right now. You got the Maxes, the Volks, the Ortegas, the Yairs, the then you got even guys like Evloev, Taporia, uh, Josh Emmett, Dan Ige. Like, dude, how exciting is Featherweight right now? And I can't wait to see what this young man does uh, in the coming weeks, the coming months, the coming years. It's going to be something to behold. So everybody, thank you all so much for checking this out. Make sure you all smash that like button. Hit the subscribe button. I truly appreciate it. Every little thing y'all do helps. The comments, the shares, the retweets, the likes, everything. Those little things help the channel grow incrementally. And we're just trying to rise show by show, trying to bring all content that you're not seeing anywhere else, trying to ask the questions that no one else asks, and trying to get entertaining guests only. So, guys, thank you all for sticking with me. Thank you all for being here. Truly appreciate it. I'm trying to work on something for Thursday. I'm still trying to get Lerone Murphy on here. So that's the, the goal for Thursday. But regardless, next week for UFC 273, I'm going to be breaking down the fights with the one and only Chaz the Scrapper Skelly. If you guys have been fans of Half the Battle for a while, you all have heard me break down fights with him before. You know, he's got a serious analyst mind. And also, he's a training partner of Gilbert Burns and some other guys on that card, Ian Gary as well. So I can't wait to get a little inside info as well. and. Uh, I'm just pumped. So, guys, thank you all so much for everything, for all the support. I'll be back very, very soon. Follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle everywhere podcasts are found. And until the next time, let's cash these bets. <laughs>